Hallelujah. I don't know, how does this happen? It's already quarter to 12. Yes, it is. Lord, help me to condense this. <laughs> someone said why and someone said amen. <laughs> Lord, you decipher that. Somebody's praying, let it rain, and someone's praying for sunshine, right? <clears throat> John chapter 1 is, is just an, an awesome chapter. Uh, let's just ask the Holy Spirit. Father, we just uh, want your Holy Spirit to teach us in these next few moments. Uh, we just open our hearts and minds to you, and you say what you want to say today. And let us hear what you want to say. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 1 is an awesome, awesome book. And I love that opening verse. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. It was fellowship there. And the Word was God. Not just a, not just a connection, but they were, they were literally one in the same. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. And it was there that John pens the words of the creative power of God, that all things were made by him, and nothing that was made was made without him. And so we see him as the great creator, but we also see later in the chapter that that word that was with God has now become God and has come to earth in the form of a child, and his name is Jesus. I want to use the word give today as an acrostic for what we're going to say because Christmas is about giving. When we're little, it's all about receiving, isn't it? When we're little, it's about our list. It's about what we want. But Christmas is all about giving. What God really wanted to be demonstrated on this day we call Christmas is that God so loved the world that he gave. And the heart that he wants us to have is to be a heart of giving. So I want to use this word give today as our, our, as our springboard. And the letter G, the letter G, if you're going to give, you have to start with God. God, G, big G, big O, big D, big God, amen? And he's a big giver. He's a big giver. And it tells us in verse 3, verse 4, that Everything was made by him. Listen, everything God made. And he gave us life. And that life was the light of men. So he gave us life and he gave us light. Do you know that they, we still don't know what light is entirely made up of? You still you realize that they have ideas that these are some of the things and they can tell you, you know, a couple ideas. Of what, but entirely, they don't really know what light is. Light just is. He is light. And you know what? Not only is he light, he says that you are the light of the world. So how does that happen? Well, that happens because the light comes into the darkness. It dispels the darkness and you become light. You become children of light. And so the same gift that Jesus came to give us life and light, 
he says to us, you go and be life and light. And that's what's going to happen on December 15th. We are going to be life and light to a lot of people. And that's going to be an awesome, awesome day. The second word is, or letter is I. Because in our text today, we see an invitation that we're invited. We see that in verse 12 and 13. But as many as received him to them, he gave the right. He invited us, if you will, to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. He invited us to be children of God. Somebody would just say, Amen, and thank you, Jesus. He invited us. He invited us to be children of God. He gave us the right. And in that word, right means, I mean, that word, right, encapsulates everything that's necessary to be called the child of God. Hear this this morning. Those of you that are born again, when you stand before God, you are standing there like Jesus. That every right of inheritance that Jesus has, you have. You know, that almost sounds like heresy to some of us because we've been so religious thinking that it's all about that and it's not about us. And it's all God's problem. It's not my problem. Listen, we are the body of Christ. He's the head. We're the body. We are participants in this. And we do the work of God. He's invited us to be children of God. And so that same light that he has, that same life that he has, he's given that right to be called the children of God. That's not just a a coy statement. It's not just a flippant statement. It's an awesome statement that God's invited us into a relationship with him. And we get to be called the children of God. When we have been invited to be children of God, we have been invited to be born of the Spirit. I'm glad that my mom and dad got together, and one day I was just, I thought, there's a child in this womb. Now, I was number five, so I can't imagine my mom was too excited about another one at that point. But I was number five. And I'm glad about all of that physical stuff. But greater than that day was the day when the seed of the Holy Spirit was planted in my heart and it gave birth to a new living hope in me. And now I can be called a child of God. Listen, the scripture tells us in verse 13, it's not born of blood. In other words, it's not a physical thing that happened. Nor is it born of the will of the flesh that, that, that it, this, this thing being born of, the, of God is not something that, that I can initiate myself. It's not something that I can make happen. It's not something that some preacher can make happen to you. And he goes on to say, nor is it of the will of man that we can't force our way on that. But God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, releases this wonderful thing called the birth of Jesus Christ within us. We're singing a song for a cantata. The name of the song is, I think, Be Born. But the song says, Be Born in Me. Be Born in Me. Hey, if he's not born in you today, I pray before this Christmas season gets too far away from us that he would be born in you. Ultimately, that's why Jesus came to be born in you. The letter V is for verified. In verses 19 and 20, in verses 6 through 8, 
Uh, and in Isaiah 40, in verse 3, we have the verification. The verification. Now, this is the testimony of John. See, John's verifying that what was said is true. That's what a testimony is, isn't it? A testimony is something that we witness with our eye and we tell it. We testify with our mouth that it is true. And John says, I'm testifying of this fact. He confessed in verse 20, I am the Christ. And there was a man sent from God in verse 6, whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not the light, John says. I'm not that person. Because they asked him, the Levites and the priests came and asked him, are you the Christ? Are you a prophet? And John said, no, 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 no. But I know one who is coming, whose sandals I am unworthy to untie. But he is the light, talking about Jesus, which comes and he gives light to every man coming into the world. And Isaiah in chapter 40 and verse 3, it's prophesied about John hundreds of years before John was ever born. It was verified that there would be a man named John who would have one finger with a little bit of honey on it and maybe a locust wing on there. And he's pointing and he's saying, Behold, the Lamb of God who take away the sins of the world. But I like that as I read it again, something captured my mind and my heart because it says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin no S on there. The sin, not the sins, but the sin. What is he saying? He's coming to take away the entirety, to destroy the domain of Satan, to destroy the rule of Satan. When sin came into the world, Jesus came back and he says, as of today, that's going to stop. I've come to take away the sin of the world. It was verified. The, uh, the, the prophets verified it. Mary and Joseph verified it. It was verified to the shepherds. It was verified to Elizabeth. When Mary walks into the house, something happened inside of Elizabeth's stomach. When John was in there, he was just an incubator. And when Jesus walked in already as a seed inside of Mary, and all of a sudden John, uh, John starts leaping inside the womb, and it causes Elizabeth to begin to sing. What was she doing? She was verifying that what just walked through the door was the son of God and he was bringing life and he was bringing light to somebody she was verifying that we have the prophet Simeon who was told that Simeon before you die before you die old man Jesus is going to appear and here he is Simeon he happens to show up at church one day and Mary and Joseph bring this little baby and Sam, Simeon proclaims now I can die Father God I have seen it has been verified to me the child of God has come listen I want to tell you today that it's been verified this is not some hokey thing this is something that's been verified over and over and over again for my eyes have seen your salvation, Simeon said. All the prophets, they're endless, the amount of prophets that verified it. And lastly, E, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. The word became flesh in verse 14, and he dwelt among us. Emmanuel simply means God with us. God with us. 
The Bible describes the miracle of what Christ has done when he says, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant being made in a human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He, God, the one who created all of this, the one who exists far outside of all this, the one who is far greater than all that even he existed. Listen to this. The vastness of who God is, he came and he humbled himself into a funneled little human being. Awesome. Crazy awesome. He took the greatness of God Reduced it inside of a being. Human likeness. For one reason. So that God could be with us. And save his people. From their sin. If you're here today and you doubt the Father's love for you. That one thought right there ought to blow you out of your seat. We ought to be picking you up off the floor right now. That God chose to come inside of a human body, inside of a a little seed, inside of a a woman's womb, to reduce himself even to that. He could have came as a full-blown man, but he came in the womb. He took on this form of humanity. So that he could identify with you and with me. See, at any point, if he had had mistreated the system of nature, at any point we could have said, yeah, but see, he's God. He can just do whatever he wants. But he came as a man. He came and he humbled himself to this, this, this nature of humanity so that eventually he could die for us. Stephen Brown, in his book, If God is in Charge, tells a story about a young couple that says a great deal about Jesus becoming flesh. He says this, she was 18 and he was 19 when they met. They fell in love and one year later they were married. Some six years and three children later, she decided while standing before the kitchen sink with a pile of dirty dishes and with a pile of dirty diapers on the floor that she just couldn't stand it anymore. She took off her apron And she walked out the door. Sometimes she would call home to check on the children, and on those occasions he would tell her how much he loved her, and he would ask her to please come home. Each time she refused. After a number of days, he hired a private detective to find where his wife had gone. The report said she was living in a second-class hotel in Des Moines, Iowa. He packed his bags, placed the children under the care of a neighbor, and he took a bus to Des Moines, Iowa. He found the hotel and he he made his way to the room where his wife would be. When he knocked on the door, his hand trembled because he didn't know what kind of reception he would receive or what he would find. His wife opened the door and she stood for a moment looking at him in shock and silence. And then she fell apart as she fell into his arms. Later at home when the children were in bed, he asked her a question that had long haunted him. Why wouldn't you tell me where you were whenever you called? You knew I loved you. 
Why? Why would you not come home? And she replied, You see, before you loved me with just words, but now I know how much you love me because you came for me. I'm here to tell you that's what Jesus did. It wasn't just the words of a prophet in the Old Testament. But at the dawn of the New Testament, the Son of God shows up, and he came for you. He came to demonstrate his love for you by coming in person and making himself available to you. The Word became flesh, and he dwelt among us. It's impossible to overemphasize how important God's arrival on earth was. The Word and life itself is forever different. There's so much that could be said and so many points that could be made. But this Christmas, when you, you're going through all the hustle and the bustle of the season, don't lose sight of the greatest gift ever given to mankind. I wonder how many here today are here that have never really accepted heaven's best gift to humanity. Some may be here today and you know about Jesus, or at least you maybe have heard the name, unlike some, some places in the world where they never heard the name Jesus. But you've heard the name and you even understand that, that he is somehow the Son of God and you understand that, but you've never asked God if he would come into your life and forgive you of your sin. You've never put the gift of Christmas together with your need of a Savior. Someone to save you from dying in your sin. And if you could only see the Father's love for you today and accept this gift that he's given, the promise to transform your life, the promise of his love towards you, the promise to change your thinking, the promise to change the way you act, the way you live, the way you love, the way you see the world. He's here to change you in such a way. He literally will open your spiritual eyes for the very first time. Would you bow your head this morning? Christmas is all about giving. Father, you gave your best. You gave your one, capital O-N-E, and only, capital O-N-L-Y, one and only Son to us. There is no other way of salvation. There is no other way to be redeemed from this broken world. There is no other way that I can work or be good enough to somehow gain favor with God only through Jesus Christ. As Pastor Nate used the illustration earlier, you've got lots of tickets. You've worked really hard to be good. But you've never asked Jesus Christ to come in and be the Savior of your soul. If that's you today, I don't know if, I don't know, you're, you're here and after all that we have sensed the Spirit of God saying and doing, for to have you leave here today without Jesus Christ would be heartbreaking to Father God. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as a personal Savior, 
Would you just slip your hand up and say, Preacher, that's me. I, I, I need Jesus. I need Jesus today. I, I want to accept this gift of Christmas today. Is that you? Are you here today? And you say, I know I need Jesus. Would you just slip up a hand and say, that's me. I want to receive that gift. Father God, I can only assume that all those that are within the sound of my voice here, perhaps there's someone on the internet as they're watching this service, reaching out to you today, Lord, wherever it is. Be born in them today, God. Find a sign of vacancy written over their heart. Go and fill the rooms of their heart with your presence and power, we pray. As we start this month of December, Father, and we, many of us are already running on the treadmill of busyness for the holidays. With gift buying and decorating and parties and, and the such. Let us not lose sight of that one word, give. And may you help us to make Christmas a giving time. And the light in the life of Christ that's in us be demonstrated to others, we pray. Amen. Amen.